The following is a presentation of WYM, Westminster Youth Ministry. In this study, we are learning from the book of Ephesians, where we are looking at who we are in God and how that in turn helps us to live out our identity in Jesus with and for other people. We hope you enjoy. Those of you that went to either RYM Texas or RYM Colorado, we had a fantastic time. Uh, Colorado folks, the pictures are up on the Facebook page, so if you want to see some pictures. If you're not a member of the youth Facebook page, please let me know because it's an invite only, so I can invite you to join that page. Okay, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're coming to the fun passage. We, we had a really fun passage last time talking about husbands and wives, but now we're going to talk about children and parents. Okay, And I'm going to make you feel really guilty tonight over everything. Just kidding. We're going to read the children and parents section and the bond servants and masters section. And before we start, there's a lot of controversy over slavery in the Bible. The type of slavery that's talked about here is indentured servanthood. So it's people that have entered into a working relationship with a master. So it's not like they're slaves, like whips, cracking and everything. It's, it's a voluntary thing. They've done it to secure a future for themselves. So they work for a time and then they move on and do something else. So please just keep that in mind as we read tonight. Before we do, let's pray. We need a volunteer to read our section for us tonight. Hannah, chapter 6, 1 through 9. So let me pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for Vision Mission Church and being able to worship here and also to come and have youth here. We just ask that you would bless this time as we look at what it means to obey and trust and to lead, Lord. We ask that you would teach us more about your Son and everything. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Go ahead. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a, with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. Whether he is a bond servant or is free, masters do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in, in heaven, and that he is no par- partiality. partiality with him. Okay. So I'm going to read you a quote, and we're going to use this as kind of a, a jumping point um, in talking about our passage tonight. And this is uh, by one of my old senior pastors from Charlotte, Dr. Mike Ross. He says, Love turns duty into privilege and burdens into opportunities to show one's love towards others. So love turns duty into privilege and burdens into opportunities. We can often view our responsibilities in relationships, the way that we interact with people, as duties or burdens. What are some ways that we do that? So we view a relationship with a parent or a boss at work. We can view that as a duty or, or a burden. What, what are ways that we do that? Gideon. Being like we have to go to work instead of we want to go. Okay, so viewing it as like a, a, a dredge, like, oh, I have to go to work today, or I have to listen, listen to my parents. Or something like that. So yeah, we do this in a lot of different ways. We view it as a negative relationship instead of a positive one. So what I want us to see tonight, in both the children and parents passage and the bond servants and masters passage, I want us to see that we're to, to display Christ-like love to those above us and those underneath us. Christ-like love to those above us and those underneath us. And we'll see both of those things playing out in each different section. So why don't we just do this? Group one, group two. There are lots of questions tonight, so take a few moments, read through those. And we'll come back together in just a little bit. Okay. So let's run through some of these questions together. Let's start with the parent-child relationship. Okay. In this section, Paul is encouraging children. He's also encouraging parents 
he is telling children to do something, he's telling parents to do something. My first question is, what is Paul saying children are to do? Obey your parents. Obey your parents, okay? Easier said than done, right? Okay? That's what we're called to do, though. Okay, what does it say? It says, it is right. So it doesn't matter what culture you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what kind of family background you came from. What Paul is saying is, because of the way that God created the family unit, it is right for children to obey their parents. It's good for them to do that. That's something that is cross-cultural. It's all over the world. Children are to do that. Okay, and it says this is the first commandment with the promise. What is the promise that's associated with that commandment? We get this from Exodus twenty twelve. Ellie. Okay, and in, uh, in Exodus twenty twelve, I think it says it will go well with you in the land or something along those lines. So what does that mean? What does it mean that it will go well for you? There's obvious ways that this applies, but also some unobvious ways. What are some of the obvious ways it applies? Okay, so you get less spankings when you obey your parents, right? <laughs> you don't get grounded as much when you obey your parents. You don't get your phone taken away or the video games taken away or whatever it is, the car keys, whatever it is. When we obey our parents, things will go well with you. Okay, but what else do you think this means? Ellie. What do you mean by that? Okay, so he shows you his goodness to you as you're obeying parents. When we honor our parents, what are we in a sense doing? This is for anybody. We're honoring God. So one of the best ways that you can honor God, honor Jesus, is for you to honor your parents. So the Christian life under the lordship and reign of Jesus is a happy and full life. That's what Paul is calling us to here. When we honor and submit to Jesus, he blesses us. He watches over us. He shows us his love to us. And that's similar to a parent-child relationship. So what does God want for his children? He wants them to obey. He wants them to follow him, just as he has set it up in this picture of the family. So what does true obedience look like? What is true obedience, specifically towards your parents? What does it look like? The right way, right away. The right way, right away. What do you mean by that? Without grumbling, okay? So it means, what it means is when your parents are asking you to do something or when they want you to do something, what Paul is saying, that the Christ-like way of showing love and obedience towards your parents is to do it without questioning, without hesitation, without challenging them, okay? There's a time to question things, but there's also a time to simply say, you know what? I'm just going to do it, okay? It's okay for me to just do this thing. And we do it with joy, okay? It doesn't mean we're, we're happy all the time when we do these things, but it should bring us joy. There's a place for respectful questioning, but parents, and parents do need to be open to you Asking them, well, why do we do it this way? And that's, that's okay sometimes, but not every single time. If you're always asking your parents, why, 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 they're probably not going to be very happy. Okay? So what are other ways that we can honor our parents? Okay, what does respecting them look like? Mm-hmm. Being truthful. Yeah. Whose family cleans on Saturday mornings? Our, our, our family used to clean every Saturday morning. Okay? And I'll be honest with you. I always grumbled every Saturday morning. And then I would get grounded for grumbling. Okay? And all I had to do was vacuum the stairs and help clean the bathroom. That's all I had to do. But I would grumble. Okay? Oh, no. It's so bad. So bad. <clears throat> all right, and I would always do so with an unjoyful heart. And when we think about it, half-hearted obedience, is it really obedience at all? No. Nope. No. It's just doing something to get somebody off your back. 
So when your, your parents go to tell you to clean your room and you just shove everything under the bed or shove everything, everything into the closet, okay? That's half-hearted obedience. And I want, you, I want you all to really think about that. Like, is it true obedience if you're just doing it just to get them off your back? Okay, God wants you to have a joyful spirit and have joyful obedience with your families and with your parents. It says in the Lord, okay? In God's order of things, parents are God's ordained authority over you. Obedience to parents means obedience to God. Now, you are called to obey and honor, and a child can... A child can obey parents without honoring them, but we're called to outwardly obey and, and inwardly show honor and outwardly show honor. So we can't just do the, you know, shove everything under the bed. Yes, mom, I clean my room. Now go away. That's not honoring and obeying our parents. So on the other end of things, okay, let's talk about your parents for a little bit. Okay. What does Paul ask the parents to do? Okay. There's a lot going on. We can spend an entire day talking about this, but what do you think that means? Okay. Do your parents do stuff that makes y'all mad? Yeah, yeah. Do y'all's parents make do stuff that makes y'all mad? Yeah. I see everybody like afraid to nod, like your parents are watching. No. Okay. okay. Yeah. So parents are called not to over provoke their children, not to like push them so hard that they're going to disobey and, and fight back. Okay. And what was the part that you read, Hannah? Um, but bring them up in discipline Who here loves discipline? Man, this is awesome. This is great. Just, I just love being punished. Love being grounded. None of us really like this one, right? Who loves being grounded? Okay, who, who just relishes like, yes, I'm grounded today. Okay, JD, you love being grounded? It's the best. It's the best. Who loves being grounded? Nobody. The point is, discipline is not something that's fun while we go through it, but it always does what? It always teaches us something. It should teach us something. Okay, we may not see what it's teaching us, but it does teach us, and that's why your parents are called to discipline you. It's their right and role as your parent. Okay doesn't mean they should enjoy disciplining you. If your parents truly like enjoy grounding you and disciplining you, then... They're not great parents. Well, I'm not going to say that. But something something is amiss there. Something is amiss there. But we are called to honor our parents, and our parents are called to love and bring us up in a way that that is God-honoring and God-fearing. Okay, And what do you think happens when both of those things are happening well at the same time? I'll give you a hint. It will go... Well, well for you, okay? It'll go well for everybody, because that, that's what God's design was, okay? Now, is this easy for parents? No. No, okay? So, spoiler alert, give them grace, okay? Give them grace as they lead you. Give them grace as they discipline you. I don't know if you guys know this, but teenagers are moody. Teenagers are hard to deal with. You may not realize it, but you are not as pleasant as you think you are. None of us are. Bring them up. I look back in chapter 5, verse 29. When it says, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This word for bring them up is the same word that's used for cherish back in chapter 5. So it, it's, it's this idea of cherishing and nourishing your children, growing them up to be young men and women in Christ, showing them Christ-like love so that they may show that to others. Okay, So they're to love Christ with tender firmness, and they're to love you with tender firmness. Now, they should have a righteous anger towards your sin. So when your parents get mad at you for doing something stupid, that's okay, because you did something stupid. We've all done it, okay? We've all been there. But it's good for them to hate your sin. Why? Because Christ hates our sin, and he wants us to grow away from those things. Discipline is a part of parenting that no parent likes to do. I don't like spanking my daughter. When she does something that I told her not to do, I don't like giving her a little pat on the thigh or a pat on the bottom. Okay? It, it hurts me as a parent. Okay? Sometimes I cry when I do it because I really hate doing it. Okay? Children are sinners by nature. You don't have to teach a child to sin, right? Or does a child just, you know, oh, I learned how to sin today. No. It's something we are born with. We know how to do it, and y'all are really good at it doing it. Okay? I'm good at doing it. We're all, we're all good at doing it. Now, 
Parents don't need to force you and push you to obey. But you also need to not force and push your parents to do whatever you want them to do. There's a mutual relationship that's happening here, just as we looked at husbands and wives a few weeks ago. There's a mutual cohabitation. There's people working alongside each other to form this thing called the family. And God has given that to us as a gift. There's always time for working things out together, but there's also time for listening and hearing. Instruction. It's the same word used for trying in righteousness in 2 Timothy 3.16 when it talks about all scripture is is, is God-breathed and and profitable for teaching, for rebuke. Punishment is also used in Hebrews 12. God punishes us for our sins sometimes. Sometimes he brings us through hard times because we have given ourselves over to our sin. But the whole purpose of that is to what? To bring us back to him. Okay, so anytime your, your parents have to punish you, have to ground you, okay, it may not be fun, you may not enjoy it, but take a few moments and think about what's going on during this time, because it will go well for you if you do. All right, moving on to the boss-worker relationship. Even in our working relationships, we're to, to, to display the same type of Christ-like love that we're called to do with our parents and with our children. So how does Paul want servants and workers to act? Yeah. Okay. They're called to obey their earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as they would Christ. And you just answered the how are we not to do this, which is what? Okay. Or to, you know, slack off or to take advantage. Okay. Who here has a job? Something that you get paid to do. In exchange for whatever you do, someone hands you what? A paycheck. Okay. And what is that paycheck for? It's a wage that you've earned for your work, right? Now, if, uh, say, say you worked... I don't know. Throw a job out. McDonald's. McDonald's, Say you work at McDonald's and all you do is slack off all day. Are you really earning your wage? No, you don't deserve it. Okay. So even when we slack off in our jobs, what we're doing is we're we're stealing time from somebody. Someone's paying us to do something and we're slacking off and doing a half hour job. So when we're, you know, called to clean our rooms and we just sweep under the bed, that's that's not honoring. That's that's the same thing as this whole idea of slacking off when nobody's looking. He says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants to Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with goodwill as to the Lord and not to man. So can you guys think of a practical example of how that may apply to us? What are ways that we do that? And this is for everybody. What are ways that uh, we can act uh, by way of eye service or people pleasers? Hmm. All right, what are some examples? Throw them this way. Micah. When your boss shows up to work, and you don't normally work hard, but then you're like, I'm going to skim the pool and vacuum the pool, and then also, like, sweep the bathroom. You know, that's not something you normally do. Okay. Hannah? Or, like, when you're in a group of friends who are misbehaving, and then you know it's wrong, but you also go against what you know is right in order to get up higher in that. Yeah, so like being a people pleaser in the context that you're in, okay? All of y'all act differently around certain people. It's true. I see you do it. <laughs> Your parents see you do it. We all do it. I do it. We all act differently around certain people because we want to please people. We want to impress people. But we tend uh, naturally to be lazy, right? We want to do as little work as possible and get the most amount of outcome, the most amount of payments at the end. But we're called to work hard. We're called to be sincere. We're called to be trustworthy. Those who God has placed over you, whether it's in a job or whether it's your parents, they are to be treated with respect. Now, there's a, a reverent respect of authority that should be recognized in every relationship that we have. Y'all are taught at an early age that authority is bad, okay? The, the last couple generations, it's just saying you're to you know, challenge the system. You're to do what's good for you. You should always be thinking about yourself. 
authority is not as, as important as it used to be. Even, even from my generation, it's not as important as it used to be. But what does the Bible tell us? Authority is a good thing. Okay? doesn't mean that there's not bad authority out there. It simply means that we're called to honor the authority that God has placed over us. So it means we work with sincerity. Okay? Now, last couple questions. What does Paul want bosses and masters to do? We're moving away from the worker, now to the boss. Gideon. Okay, what does that mean, Gideon? No, I want you to explain what you just read to me. What does it mean? Uh, Apply it. I love when you read scripture back to me, Gideon, but I love making you like think about it even more. Okay, integrity. All right, Nathan, what does integrity mean? All right, so workers are called to have integrity by working hard, but bosses are also called to have integrity. How? How are the people above us called to have integrity? Okay, the golden rule, which is? Okay, balance with your hand up. What were you going to say? Okay, yeah, so we're called to have integrity with everybody we interact with. Yeah, so what it means is when there's somebody that's in a relationship that's, for the lack of a better term, below you or underneath you, if you are over somebody, like if you're leading somebody at work, or when you get out into the working world and you become a boss or whatever it is, and you have people working under you, that means you are called to have integrity. You're called to love people with Christ-like love. It means you never look down on people. Even though you may be above them in authority, it doesn't mean you have to treat them with an overbearing power. Just as Paul said, parents, don't overburden your children. Paul's also saying, bosses, slave masters, don't overburden those that work for you. Treat them with respect. And why? Is your hand up? Yes. Absolutely. We're called to have integrity in every situation. It means that we look at, you know, when there's no one around, are we the same person as when there's people around? We can't say that with Christ because Christ is always watching us, always looking at us. We're called to honor others and honor Christ. So why does Paul want bosses to be reasonable with their employees? Why? What's, what's his reason? We're going to close with this. Well, yes, because the Bible tells us so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and in, the, in that last verse, it says, Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master is yours in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. So what Paul is essentially saying is, overseers, people that have people underneath you, the people that are below you have dignity and respect, and you need to show that to them. Okay? You need to treat everybody. Even if you have authority over them, you need to treat them with respect. Let me close with this. So say you have an owner of a company who's talking with one of his managers, and there's somebody that's been stealing from the company. Okay, uh, The owner, who's a believer talks to the manager and says, what should we do about them? And the, the manager says, we've we got to fire them. We've got to give them the axe. Okay? They've been stealing. The owner says, well, you want to fire him. Suppose he admits his wrongdoings and agrees to pay for what he's stolen and then some. Would you not let him keep his job? Is that not how you would want to be treated? So the manager was like, well, yeah, that's how I would want to be treated. But this isn't, that's not the real world. Okay? That's not how the world works. Jesus calls us to follow his rules. He calls us to follow the rules of his world. And what are the rules that we laid out tonight? We're to obey. We're to lead well. We're to listen. When these things are practiced, children and employees become more loving towards their parents and towards their bosses. Parents and 
you know, slave masters, bosses, become more loving towards those that are below them. Christ-like love moves outward in these relationships. Again, we're in this section of Ephesians where we're talking about how our relationship with Christ affects our relationship with others. So here's just a few takeaways for you guys tonight. And these are very practical, hopefully somewhat easy to remember. And they go with each one of these things. Child, parent, worker, boss. As a child, seek to show obedience right away. And I know this is hard. Sometimes there are things that you want to do when your parents are telling you to do things. But showing obedience to your parents is showing obedience to God. Secondly, and I said this earlier, give your parents grace. Okay? They will get things wrong. Okay? They're sinners too. Show them grace. Know that they have your best interest in mind. And let's be honest, sometimes you think that you know better than your parents. And sometimes maybe you do in certain things. Okay? But let's also be honest. If we did things the way that teenagers wanted to run the world, it probably wouldn't end well. Okay? So as your parents are leading you, trust in them. Let, let them know that you love them. Okay? Uh, give them grace. Show them that honor and respect that the Lord has called us to do. Thirdly, as you work, even now or in, in the future, work well and show respect in the workplace. We're called to work hard even when no one is watching. And lastly, maybe one day you'll be in a position of authority. Honor and respect those who are underneath you. Now, here's a very practical example of how we can do this. Okay? A lot of times there are specific jobs that we view as absolutely below us, right? Like things that we, we would never do. Okay? And there are jobs that certain ethnic groups do because no one else will do them. Okay? So when we make jokes about the Mexicans cutting the yard, or in Jackson, when I lived in Jackson, all the African Americans would clean houses and work in the nurseries and do all the jobs that no one else wanted to do. When we make jokes about that kind of stuff, what we're, what we're saying is there's no value. They're not worth respect. They're not worth the respect that they deserve. So we're called to love everybody, to never view somebody that's doing something that we would never do with, oh, if that's, that's a job for, for that person. I would never do that. You see how that can be not Christ-like? So what I try to do, and this is just a, an incredibly practical thing that I've really tried to, to ingrain in everything that I do. Whenever I see a janitor, I try to look him in the eye and tell him thank you. It's a very simple thing, because I would never want to do that job. I really wouldn't. I don't like cleaning toilets. I don't like cleaning up throw up or you know, sweeping all the time. But they work hard. So when we give people that honor and respect, we're saying, you have absolute worth in Christ's eyes. I want you to know that I'm thankful for you. That's a simple way that we can live out this passage tonight. Love turns duty into privilege and burdens into opportunities to show one's love to others. Christ-like love should be the foundation for all of our relationships. All right. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let me pray, and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for teaching us from your word how to obey, Lord, and how to seek to love others and love you better. Lord, I pray for each individual in this room, Lord, that you would allow them to love their parents well. I ask that you would give their parents grace as they lead their children. Father, as we go out into our, our workplaces, even now or even in the future, Lord, that you would give us a hardworking spirit that would want to honor you in everything, and that means working hard even when no one's watching, Lord. And, and when the time comes when uh, these young people will be in places of authority, I do ask that you would help them to lead from a Christ-like spirit, Lord, and help us to always look towards the people that are uh, in uh, positions that may be underneath us in, in the authority structure, that we would honor you so that we may honor others. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. And keep an eye out for new audio upcoming from WYM.